Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast. Network. I'm your host, back off of a hiatus, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Eric Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, it's been a couple of weeks, but I'm glad to be back. How are you all doing? Mike, very happy to have you back. Just have to get that out of the way right away. Uh, it was really tough holding down the hosting position with you gone. A um, lot of mistakes. That's why I appreciate what you do so much. So glad to have you back. Uh, manning the ship and and good to have the trio together once again yeah i i just want to echo that you know mike i'm i would say i'm actually probably a little more happy that aaron is is uh than that you're back because you know it was really it was really messing with him those hosting duties they were making him say crazy things like that the pistons were going to be the greatest summer league team of all time and we're going to go undefeated and win it all so now that you're back Hopefully we can return to a sense of normalcy on the podcast. And um, yeah, we won't say anything crazy. Well, you no, know, he, he said that for a, for a while, even before you were on the podcast. <laughs> so like, I've been I was trying to get him an out. January. I, I've been talking about the Pistons winning summer league since January. So tough, tough week in Vegas for, for my viewing experience. Um, but we'll, We'll get into the summer league in a little bit. Aaron, you wouldn't be the first guy to have a tough week in Vegas. Let's say that. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, buddy. Oh, 630 in the morning, and I'm placing $500 bets on the Texas Rangers to beat the Houston Astros. Yeah, I've been there. I've done it. At least I won. <laughs> At least you won. At uh, least I won. Making bets. Jasper, I don't know if while I was gone, you turned into some segue maestro, but we want to, of course, thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. You can visit the website today or use your mobile device to join, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I would not bet on the Texas Rangers beating the Houston Astros in today's landscape <laughs> Major baseball. No. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, so before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Again, you join, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I, I hope people bet the over on today's Tigers game. My God. Still found a way to lose after being up 10 to 2. 10 to 2 in the 6th. Oh. What is going on? Tigers, baby. So... Just a quick story before we hop into our first topic. But based on 10 to 2 games that are blown, uh, back in 2001, the Cleveland Indians were down a mammoth load. I think they were down like 
nine in the seventh inning to the mighty Seattle Mariners at the time, the mighty Seattle Mariners. And uh, it was a major, it was an ESPN, a Sunday night game. And my dad left the game as most people would. Him and his friend left in the seventh inning. They're down like 11 to one or something. And the Cleveland Indians came back and won that game. So that's uh, pretty much been scarred into my brain is to not leave a baseball game early or any sporting event early because you just never know. You might see the greatest comeback in baseball history. Um, those 2002 Indians were pretty good. Those 2002 Mariners were even better with Lou Pinella as the manager. Oof. Just a, a very strong team. Um, so 10 to 2, yikes, blown lead. The AL Central is just, uh, after the White Sox, just the very definition of mediocre. Um, but this is not a baseball podcast. We can get into our first topic of the day, and that is Hamadou Diallo re-signing with the Pistons. This is breaking news. We need a, a soundboard, Aaron. That's our next thing. With all this all this ad money, we need, to, we need to get a soundboard, like uh, just a voice. Breaking news. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, two years, 10.4 million per uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN kind of expected that the Pistons were going to keep Diallo. Uh, it does put them at 16 players, so they will have to do some roster shuffling, uh, which is probably the most interesting part of this deal. Um, so, Aaron, any initial thoughts on the Pistons re-signing Diallo? Yeah, like you said, it wasn't completely unexpected. Everyone was anticipating that he would return to Detroit. There's obviously a relationship that Troy Weaver built with Diallo back when the two were together in Oklahoma City, and that's why Troy Weaver traded for him because he liked him so much, so he wasn't going to let him walk after spending half a season with him in Detroit. So not at all surprised by the signing in itself. I am surprised by the actual deal, two years at $10.4 million. Uh, There were, myself included, people discussing – what was Diallo's price range? If you get over 12 million, like does that is that where you walk away from the table and let him, you know, take the qualifying offer? Or do you just, you know, make him an unrestricted free agent? But the Pistons are getting him for 10 and a half million total over two years. And I did just see, according to James Edwards the third of the athletic, that the second year is a team option. So Woo! Troy Weaver and team options. That is his thing. Like that is his, that is his kink. Uh, he <laughs> loves team options. So team option, Troy, man. But I was, I, I was very shocked by the amount and the term. Like I was anticipating, Oh, Diallo's probably looking for a four year, probably around $60 million probably ends up getting around 52 to 54 he gets two for ten and a half. I mean, it's just insane. I, I I guess it came down to the market drying up in terms of teams not having money to spend and him not wanting to lock in long-term with the Pistons for $5 million annually. He takes a two-year deal. to It's kind of a prove-it type deal, uh, and it sets him up for another chance to get paid in a couple off-seasons. But I like the signing by Detroit, obviously. You get a guy that you were trying to figure out if he was worth paying $12 million a year to you're now paying him five instead. So uh, you definitely like that aspect of the deal. Obviously though, if he continues to play well, he's going to be worth more than that. And in a couple off seasons, he'll be an unrestricted free agent 
and it'll be a lot harder to retain him, especially if he is playing at a higher level. So I'm a fan of the deal. I'm not shocked that he's back. I am shocked at the contract details. Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum, this is just a slam dunk of a deal. But if you take into context the free agency classes that are coming up next year and the year after that, it's even better because you have so little money committed to to Diallo. Um, You could theoretically, you know, cut him this off season. You could, you could, you could not pick up that team option, sign, sign a free agent to a max deal and then bring him back. And at very, very, very little cost. Or if he really doesn't prove it, then there's no skin off your back either way. You're, you're paying him in total what we were assuming he was going to get paid yearly at least. So yeah, I don't really see much about this deal that's not to like. You're getting a really good young player on a very team-friendly deal, which is probably going to pay off for them either next season or the year after that with freeing up some cap space. Or you just have a really good player under a really team-friendly contract for two years straight, and there's nothing wrong with that. So that kind of gets me into the conspiracy theory thought of that. You know, this kind of seems like a friendly matching salary type of contract as well. You know, you can bundle some of the, some of the deals together to go get a piece uh, like, like a win now piece, not this year, but next year, because it's a team friendly deal. He's an expiring contract after this upcoming season. I think it's a pretty fine deal. I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, he is a, a good young player. Um, but where is that going to lead in terms of roster construction? Like, are they like, who is the odd man out now? Um, without going too far into our next topic of the summer league with Luca Garza getting a two way and, um, you know, you know, the roster starting to fill out a little bit more. Who, who's the odd man out? Well, this is, this is tough because, I think the odd man out is probably Jaleel Okafor in this case, just because you see kind of a log jam there at that position, especially now that Luca Garza and Jamorco Pickett are within the Pistons organization, at least for this year. And Okafor has not played very well. I think he's probably the odd man out. I think Sekou Demboya looked good enough in summer league to justify bringing him back. The problem I do have now, and this is a signing Aaron and I both said we did not really care for at the time, that Trey Lyle signing, to me, makes didn't make very much sense then. It makes even less sense now. Because you have 16 roster spots, and one of them is basically being wasted on a guy who, best case scenario, is your third string power forward, even though you have a guy in in uh, Kelly Olynyk, that's your backup center that could hypothetically play your, your backup power forward spot as well. So you have, I don't know that Trey Lyle signing to me. I know that's not quite what you're saying. I do think Okafor is out, but I, I really do have to question that Trey Lyle signing, um, especially now because it, it just makes less and less sense every moment I think about it. Yeah. That bottom fifth, of the roster is just incredibly underwhelming to me between Lyles, 
Okafor and Rodney McGruder, who the Pistons re-signed last week. Um, I don't understand re-signing McGruder. I don't understand signing Lyles, and I didn't understand signing Okafor last offseason. Um, obviously, Lyles is here to stay. I don't foresee the Pistons signing Rodney McGruder to a, a one-year guaranteed contract to waive him. So it comes down to Okafor or Sekou Dumboya getting cut unless they're getting traded, which is very unlikely for Okafor unless you're attaching some sort of asset to him, you know, whether it's a second round pick or whatever, just to get someone to take him, and it's not dead money then on your books. Or are you trading someone like Josh Jackson? Yeah. You just re-signed Diallo. You have Frank Jackson, who you just re-signed. You brought back Rodney McGruder, and you have Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay, And a guy like Jeremy Grant can also play the three, and it sounds like there might even be more of an opportunity for him to do that this year with Kelly Olenek, Trey Lyles, and Saquon Boyle all vying for those backup big man minutes. So does that make someone like Josh Jackson obsolete in your system? And are you trading him to open up that roster spot? You know, what what do you guys think? That's a good question, Aaron. I I was going to say, like, what would you rather do almost in that case? Because if you're going to trade Josh Jackson just straight up, I mean, what are you getting back for him? A a second round pick. Like, that's basically it. Um, Or you can cut Okafor and that's just like more dead money on your books. Not that it really matters this year, but like, uh, it, it just, it just feels weird to unnecessarily re-sign guys like Rodney McGruder and then cut someone like Jaleel Okafor when you could have done it in a way different manner. Do you think maybe it's not just, Hey, we're going to just ship Josh Jackson off for nothing. Do you guys think it could, maybe be like a two-for-one deal where it's Josh Jackson and Sekou Dumboya and or or Josh Jackson and like Jaleel Okafor or something and you're getting back another guy that could hypothetically play center another guy that could hypothetically play power forward although to be honest I don't really I don't really see the need for that at this point in time because it it really does feel like when it comes to so like one and two on the roster at the depth chart at every position, it feels like you're pretty set, right? Yeah. If I, if I was Troy Weaver, I first off would have handled this off season probably pretty significantly different outside of the draft. Like just in terms of free agency in itself, like I couldn't, um, I could not picture myself really going out of my way to sign any of the guys that he signed that weren't, previously with the team last season um especially someone like trey lyles and yeah that just makes this roster construction a little bit wonky because i it's like you don't need him you really don't need okafor but do you want more dead money so it kind of makes sense to look through the trade route but that means you're probably attaching a second round pick i don't imagine anyone's really going out of their way to to snag Julia Loco for, and I don't know if Sekou Dumboya has enough value to make it worthwhile. I mean, if you're a bad team, it probably does, I guess. 
I think Seku had a good enough summer league to where he showed that there is something still there. Um, but I, I think if I were Troy, we were at this point after making all of the moves that I already have made, I would just cut my losses and wave Julio Okafor and take the extra two and a half million dollars of dead money that it is and just let it hit because you don't really need the money anyway right now. You might as well just open up the roster spot that way. Um, I, I still think still think the minutes are going to be incredibly difficult to manage this year because there's just so many guys that in theory should get minutes that there just won't be minutes for. So, yeah, I, at this point, I'm just waving Jalil for cutting my losses there and taking on even more dead money than the Pistons already have. Yeah, I, I, look, I'll say this. I want to – I'll defend Troy Weaver in this sense. Like, I understand the Corey Joseph and the Rodney McRuder resignings because they were in – like you said, they were in the organization last year. And if there's anything that we've seen in the NBA, especially hearing from, like, former players who were young at one point and on teams that they were trying to get their footing on, veterans are really important. And this is still a very young team. Like, you look at the depth chart – and, you know, if you get rid of, like, Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder, the oldest guys on the team are basically, like, Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olynyk. And I do understand, especially when you have young guards in, you know, Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham, having that veteran like Corey Joseph there just to bring them along. And somebody like Rodney Magruder, who they basically admitted they just brought him back because they liked what he brought to the locker room. But... Yeah, I'm with you, Aaron. I just don't get the Trey Lyle signing now even more than I didn't then. And I do think ultimately the right move is probably just cut Okafor. It's not going to kill your cap or anything. You know, you just have to eat a little bit of dead money. It's fine. It'll all be okay next year because you have a ton of free agency space opening up. The other contract situation is Balsa Koprovica, 57th pick in this year's draft not under contract. What does this end up looking like for him? Because they're, the Pistons, two two-way deals are given out, and they already don't have enough roster space for him to do Diallo. Koprovica played at Florida State last year, so it's not like he's from overseas. He can just be stashed over there for another year. Like, you could send him overseas for a year, but it's not like he was there. Like he was in America, played at Florida state. <laughs> he played with Cade Cunningham. He, he played with Cade Cunningham in high school. They were on yep. the same team. <laughs> right. So is he just going to not be signed and end up on the Pistons G league team? Like this is kind of a weird spot. I mean, obviously the Pistons got the 57th pick in the trade with Mason Plumley, So they got that pick from the Hornets. And I always thought that that trade was weird, but now that they haven't even signed the guy that they drafted with that pick, and it doesn't look like they really have the capacity to sign him, that trade looks even weirder. I mean, they could always move two players too. You know, it's 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 not like this roster is totally set stone. I mean, we just listed off like four guys who could yeah. easily be dealt, and Seiko Duboya has the most value out of all of them, presumably. And even that is fleeting at best right now, right? 
But they're, I mean, they could make the roster moves necessary if they did want to keep him. And I feel like they will. Um, Balsa, I am uh, referring to. You know, they I mean, can make those moves happen. Yeah, I mean, but the guy didn't. For me, I think it's he's just a G League guy at this point. Like, he's a rim runner. He has very little skills right now that are going to translate. I mean, there's a reason he barely played in summer. Oh, yeah. And and when he did play, he was outshone handily by both – by multiple guys. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Anthony Tark looked better than him. Uh, uh, Jamorco Pickett looked freaking awesome. Yeah. Garza obviously looked really, really good. So for me, I don't think there's much question. Like, this is not a guy that I'm moving NBA players on my roster out of town to keep on my active roster. I don't that, – Sure. I, I mean, like, maybe sure. if Kate insists, but to me, he's a no, G League guy and will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely a G League guy. But, if, you know, if you're planning on moving one of these guys anyway, I mean, there's no reason to, you know – believe that the Pistons, you know, aren't, you know, sold on keeping Seku here the whole time. And, you know, they might have to look at how he plays in the preseason. And that was into my next question. And I'm sorry, I cut you off, Aaron, but let me just ask this and then, and then you can go. Is there a, is there a specific date that the roster has to be trimmed? Can they go into preseason with 16 guys or they can only go in with 15? They can go into preseason with 16 but by the regular season they have to right there has to be trimmed right so they could be seeing you know how things play out i mean I, there are teams who can always use a backup big and sure jalil okafor could fill that out and there are there is some team that would take a chance on seku maybe willing to pony up a, you know a second round pick or or, or whatever so we, we kind of dipped into two two of our three topics here um but aaron i i didn't mean to cut you off no, you're good. This one kind of ends up getting into our, our, our last topic, which is really kind of getting into Summer League, but it also kind of fits into the roster crunch topic as well. And Jasper, you brought up Jamorco Pickett a couple times, and every year the Pistons have a Summer League darling <laughs> that isn't actually on their roster, but ends up looking like he's an NBA player. He belongs on a team. Like It was Eric Moreland years ago. Uh, there's there's guys every year. Like, I thought Todd Withers for the past couple of seasons was like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's that NBA wing, 6'8", shoots, uh, can get inside a little bit, defends hard, ended up playing in the G League and then went overseas. But every year the Pistons end up having a guy that looks like he belongs on the main roster. And this summer league, it was Pickett. He signed an Exhibit 10 deal, so essentially the Pistons have his G League rights. He'll go to camp with Detroit. Assuming he gets cut, he'll end up with the Motor City Crews because they now own his player rights. Um, but kind of, again, going back to the roster crunch, like this is why I didn't understand like why it was so important to go and re-sign Rodney Magruder as quickly as Detroit did. Like, I, I'd pretty much rather have that spot given to someone like Jamorco Pickett, to be completely honest. Like, I get, oh, Magruder's a veteran. Like, I get that. But I also look at this roster and I say, well, you got Corey Joseph, you got Jeremy Grant, you got Kelly Olynyk, you've got Jaleel Okafor, at least for now. Josh Jackson's now been in the league for four years. Like, these guys, this is a young team, but it's not like it's – they don't have any veteran presence. And I just feel like Magruder, 
just doesn't really give you anything on the court. Whereas someone like Joseph was actually pretty solid last year. People just didn't like to watch him because he was playing over Killian Hayes. Like the fact of the matter is he was actually very efficient and very effective in Detroit. And he actually does provide value for the Pistons to whereas re-signing him, you, you at least could make sense of it. Even if you believe in Saban Lee and Killian Hayes, like, yeah, Corey Joseph's probably taking minutes from Saban Lee, but at least he's giving you something on the court. Whereas I don't foresee Rodney Magruder doing that. Also Rodney Magruder was playing minutes at the point guard last year. The Pistons have plenty of point guards. He can also play the shooting guard spot, but the Pistons have plenty of shooting guards. So just, yeah, but it, it's not all about what like a player gives you on the court. I don't know. I, I... I do have to disagree with you a little bit here because like, I'm sorry, if you're like Jeremy Grant, I love Jeremy Grant, but he's a quiet guy. And if you're depending on Josh Jackson, like another guy that I I love Josh Jackson, but do I want to depend on him to be my veteran leader? Do I want to be him to be the guy that is like showing the locker room and the young guys? Oh, this is how it's done. I don't really think so. And, you know, Roddy Magruder was around, has been around some excellent organizations. He was with the Miami Heat, um, which, you know, you want to talk about a professional organization. That is a professional organization right there. I am, and another one that, for example, has brought back Udonis Haslam multiple years because of what they feel he provides them in the locker room. So I don't know. I, I get what you're saying in the sense that, like, yeah, I don't think Rodney Gruder is going to play very much, but whatever. He's a veteran minimum contract guy, like no big deal. And like, I like Jamorco Pickett. I want to see what he can do, but he's still really raw. Like the guy shot better from three than he did from two last year. Yeah. I'm not like, so for me, that's like that, that's a guy that needs, he needs time. And, and I think you do need at least four or five veterans on the roster who can, help out the young guys. I'm not saying that like you can necessarily track this stuff and that it's a science, but I do think there is something to it. If I just have one complaint, it's Trey Lyles. That's really it because I don't see what he brings to you in the locker room either. But yeah, I'm not knocking Magruder for, you know, his veteran presence. Like obviously this guy has stuck around in the league while not being the most talented basketball player for obviously he provides something else that it's worth having him around. Like between the heat and the Clippers, he's played for good teams, good organizations, and he's stuck around. I just feel like, man, you have a couple veterans on the roster. I, 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 even if you would have gotten a different veteran that could have provided you something of on the court value, I just don't see the fit for Ryan. Like I'd have rather, gone and gotten another veteran center or I, I, there's so many guards on this team that it just it just feels like a wasted roster spot i don't know it's the 15th guy on the roster like those guys don't play anyway I, I do get what you're saying there but like i don't know what i'd rather have luca garza and jamorco Pickett. i'd rather have guys like that my two-way guys chris smith or even honestly, even like Saban Lee, if there's not space for him at point guard, I'd rather have them in the G League, really getting like a lot of playing time 
rather than sitting on the bench like Rodney Magruder is going to do. Like he's going to play in what, 15 games this year? So I, I don't know. That, that's just how I look at it. But these are my favorite kind of podcasts because I don't have to do anything. You guys are basically <laughs> handling all of this. Fest. I just want you to know for the record that when we are in the middle of November, maybe the end of November, and the Pistons are playing, you're going to look back at this discussion of the 15th man on the Pistons and be like, boy, that was amazing that we were able to pull out, you know, 12 minutes of content from the 15th man on the Detroit Pistons who could easily be one of the four worst teams in, <laughs> in the league. Again, we, um, we just talked, we just talked about Rodney Magruder more than he's going to get playing time this year. It's entirely possible that the 12 minutes that Rodney <laughs> Magruder was roughly in the conversation is more than he will play in the first week of the season. <laughs> and uh, you know, that that's a okay. This is the roster construction period. So we should talk about it, but we did kind of jump around our topics a little bit. I just want to go back to Diallo real quickly Seems like you guys like the deal real fast. What kind of role is he going to play for the Pistons this year? Are we thinking six man, seventh man off, off the bench? Is it going to, is it going to float? What do we think? Yeah, he's got to be one of the first guys off the bench. I mean, he's right there with probably Kelly Olenek as one of those first guys coming in. Um, I mean, shoot, Diallo, if the Pistons would have drafted someone like Evan Mobley, Diallo's probably starting um for this team maybe not but he's still playing a a, a significant role and I, I think he's due for a big role this year like he was effective in his time with the Pistons last year and he was having a good season with Oklahoma City before he got hurt and then it took him a little bit to get back into form um the, the question with him will be can he shoot is his shooting going to be a legitimate improvement like last year with Detroit he did shoot a little bit better uh, from the three-point line, but it wasn't on a lot of attempts per game. And, you know, it was only for a short stretch of time. We'll see. Like, in 20 games last year with the Pistons, he shot 39% from the three-point line. But in his first two-and-a-half seasons in the league, he was 16.7% and then 29%. So we'll see if there's a legitimate jump in his shooting. Uh, that would certainly make him a lot more playable. But – just his ability to to be an effective rim attacker, his athleticism, his defensive tenacity, that's going to make him an interesting player to have on the court. He's going to fit in a lot of lineups, especially when the Pistons go with, like, Cade at the one. It, I don't know how much we'll see it, but we should see it at least a little bit. Like, I'm intrigued by seeing those two together. Diallo can also, like, play in a three-guard lineup. So he's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's probably someone you slide in as one of their first guys off the bench, probably around 22 to 25 minutes a game. But again, that might be a little bit of a stretch with how many guards and wings Detroit has on the roster. Like they're going to have to find minutes for Frank Jackson. Does Josh Jackson get a role? Like he had his solid moments last season. Um, you know, so we'll see how the minutes shake out, but right now I'm, I'm figuring that he's going to be a pretty uh, important impact player for the Pistons off the bench. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to have a, a role with this roster, and I think a significant one. How significant? I think really comes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of what they decide to do with this roster, cutting it down to 15 people. Because if the answer is they release Jaleel Okafor, 
then yeah, he's probably getting about like 22 minutes. He's playing in that backup two role with Josh Jackson at the three, most likely. But if they move on from Josh Jackson and they trade him, well, then I think you're talking about a guy with a much more significant role on this team because he's really their only athletic swingman at, at that position, really. So we're definitely going to get an answer soon. I, I don't anticipate Troy Weaver sitting on his hands for long uh, with a 16-man roster. But, yeah, how that shakes out is going to go a big way in what role Diallo plays for this team because if they do move on from Josh Jackson, I could see Diallo playing closer to 30 minutes a game coming off of the bench. Like he's going to be a really big player for them. Um, He's going to fit a need that they're really going to have. And depending on how Killian Hayes does as the off ball guy, that also could play a factor in it. And, you know, Sadiq Bey is obviously playing small forward for you, but if he goes down, then really like Diallo is, is next up almost if, um, if you do move on from Josh Jackson. So yeah, for sure. He's going to have a very significant role with this team, how significant and in which positions I think is, is still uh, yet to be seen. Yeah, I kind of figured, and, and his his uh, role, like you guys said, is, might be dependent on the shooting because I'm not sold on the shooting capabilities of this roster right now. Um, there's there's a lot of what ifs um, in terms of shooting. Um, so, and it's not like Josh Jackson was, you know, he had his moments, but he also had his lowlights too. And you're right, it is going to depend on Jackson's availability and. Um, his ability to carry over some of that good play. Um, but he is probably one of the first or second people off the bench. And, and, you know, like, like we said earlier for that price, that that's not too bad and gives you some flexibility this year or even next year. Um, Mike, so let me, sorry, let me just throw a stat at you real quick. Last year, Hamadou Diallo took in total 82 threes, took 41 with OKC, took 41 with Detroit. He hit 29% of his threes with OKC. He hit 39% of them with Detroit. You know what that tells me? Sample size. Sample size. Uh, You can't buy into what he did with Detroit last year, unfortunately. Like, I'd love to, but let's be real. The guy is a career 29% three-point shooter. So it, it sucks that we're talking about this, like, with multiple players on the roster. Like, we have to talk about this with Killian Hayes. We have to talk about this with Hamadou. It's a little concerning, right? It has to be just a little bit concerning that there's multiple players on your team that are playing significant roles. Isaiah Stewart, you could actually throw into there too, where you're like, hey, I need to make sure you can actually shoot. And going into the season, you don't really know. Right. <laughs> but we, you know, I mean, honestly, Kelly Olynyk can technically, technically provide that little bit of stretchy bigness, but you're right. And Diallo will probably regress back to his mean. I, I mean, hopefully 29% is not his, not that he's going to put up next year. I would hope that he's somewhere around 34. And I'll tell you what, if he's shooting like 34, 35% from three next year, uh, he's definitely the sixth man at, you know, at the very least. Yeah. So 
Oh, if he's shooting, okay. if he's if he's shooting thirty four percent from three, that deal, which is already really really good, is like an absolute steal. Because, yeah, I mean, how do you stop that? If he's shooting league right. average from three, you can't stop him offensively. Right. So let's let's bounce back around to some of the areas of each topic that we sort of passed up on. Um, summer league is its own thing. So I'm going to go back to our third topic here. We already talked about the need to cut the roster. We already talked about the candidates to cut that roster. We already talked about not signing a 57th pick in the draft yet, but any, any, you know, rest in peace words for Tyler Cook and, and Dave Davidis or Vitas for those uninitiated. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I have some words for Servetus, but they came up just a little bit short. Um, much like, Every single uh, one. Uh, <laughs> You're so funny. Stop it, Aaron. Uh, God, that that fake laugh was funnier than was funnier than anything I think I've ever said. Um, yeah, no. Oh God. I mean, that was that was hard to watch. Oh, he started off 0 of 13 in summer league, man, from three. And the guy's supposed to be a shooter. It, that was tough. That was tough. Um yeah, I appreciate what Tyler Cook brought to this roster last year. He brought a lot of energy, but, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but, like, the fact that he and Servetus are not going to be on this roster is probably a good sign for the Pistons and where their roster is going. Because, you know, that's kind of the kind of players they are. They are very, very much fringe NBA players. Uh, Servetus is like a fringe summer league player, but. I'll stop being mean to him now. So, yeah, um, not often I get to celebrate being right on something, but I was right about Servitas all along. Um, just didn't have it. It's so funny because you watch like I watch Pistons Twitter react to like when Servitas got drafted. He was the six nine Luke Kennard. I watched Balsa get drafted, and. That for, you know that draft night and the day after it was Balsas to steal the draft. He's the big that can, you know, take get switched onto a guard on the perimeter and stay with him all the way to the basket. And then it's like Servitas lasted a year in the league and Balsas, like an afterthought, didn't barely played in summer league, didn't really make an impact in summer league. No one's talking about him now and. I feel like I talked about this before about how Pistons Twitter just like tries to find the highest ceiling of every prospect that or every player that the team gets. And I'm sure it happens in every land in every team's Twitter landscape, but like we're doing Luca Garza, Nikola Jokic comparisons, like, and then these guys are out of the league within a year or with Tyler Cook, it's half a season. And I liked Tyler Cook. I mean, I, he did some good stuff last year. Um, but now I'm blanking on which one of you said it. I think it was you, Jasper, but the whole idea of uh, it's probably good for the Pistons roster mm-hmm. that neither of them are on the team. Like that is actually a really good point because it just shows that this team is kind of like starting to round into form and it's getting better to the point where these two guys that you liked and had an interest in, especially Tyler Cook, maybe not as much as Servetus, but it's probably good that they're not there because they were fringe NBA players and it means your roster has gotten better and you're getting more legitimate guys uh, in your program. Well, well, I, for one, am just glad they gave Servetus a three-year deal that that really worked out. Fantastic. That was uh, Ed Stefanski's like just 
throw it out there and, and see what happens type move. I have no idea what he was thinking there. Like <laughs> you talk about guys that don't show up on many draft boards and aren't expected to, you know, do much. And it's like, I don't know. I, I think of Davida Servitas and it reminds me of the Darren Hilliard story from when Stan Van Gundy picked Hilliard. It's like, this guy was on nobody's draft board. And then this year it was Balsa Kopravitsa. And it's like, this guy wasn't in my top 100. And it's like every year the Pistons got to, got to grab that one guy that no one was expecting to get drafted. And they're over two now with Hilliard and Servitas. We'll see if Troy Weaver can uh, break that mold with Balsa Kopravitsa. If he's even on the roster come October. Oh, and James Edwards III, we should have talked about this in the Pistons news of the week at the beginning, but I didn't write it down, so I'm going to take the blame. But Pistons' first game of the season, according to James Edwards, October 20th versus the Chicago Bulls. Oh, I love that. I love that, too. Nice. I think that's I think that's great. There, those are those Bulls. DeMar DeRozan, like that mm-hmm. amped up Chicago Bulls team, that's going to be a nice game for Detroit to come out against. Like I like a challenge right off the bat. And I think like two league pass teams this year, right? Like I think they're both teams that a lot of people are looking at like, okay, these could be a couple of really, really fun squads to watch. We'll see how good they are, but at the very least, they're going to be entertaining teams at the very least. Two two teams that could very much be jacking for playoff position at the end of the season as well. Well, one better be or else. They're going to be like heads on spikes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I and mean, then the other one will be the Pistons having fun, like act like accidentally falling into playoff. Races. True. True. I don't know. I guess I'm very hopeful that watching Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olynyk instead of Tyler Cook, um, like I'm forgetting the rest of the Pistons summer league team right now, but just adding like Jeremy Grant. Kelly Olenek and Isaiah Stewart is going to make the Pistons look so much better than what it was in summer league with Killian Sadiq and Cade and then the G League and non-NBA level players. But- well, yeah, we we saw how good the Pistons were when Jamarco Pickett got on the floor because they literally had like a player that could shoot. <laughs> like they, they didn't have anyone that could shoot on that roster other than Cade and he was bringing the ball up the floor most of the time. So, yeah, of course, like a lot of people were talking, you know, oh, my God, the Pistons are going to be so bad this year. It's like, dude, they had zero rim protection, zero shooting in summer league. That is not at all what the roster is going to look like in the regular season. So don't worry about it. It's okay. We're going to have fun this year. Very ex- talking about summer league, just to get us back on track as we're, we're nearing the end of this pod. And we haven't even talked about overall impressions from summer league. Um, we talked about bits and pieces, some some players here, some players there. Uh, Aaron, you were very excited for Summer League and the 1927 Yankees-esque Detroit Pistons. Mm. Uh, any, any, any initial thoughts uh, from Summer League? I, I did not get to watch as much of Summer League as I was initially anticipating. Saw a little bit. Um, any, any initial impressions? Yeah, I mean, a little heartbroken that that first night was – um, you know, just after the game, went into my room, lit a candle, turned on Marvin's room, and you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a long night, uh, cold, dark night. But the second night wasn't much better. 
uh, unfortunately, because they lost again. <laughs> oh, and... Aaron listening oh, to nothing man. but Drake songs on repeat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But they finished three and two, and things looked better for them. Of course, we didn't see Gillian or Kay the final two games, and then Sadiq set out the final game. Somehow the Pistons managed to win those games. I, I just don't understand how, but Saban Lee and Luca Garza both got their opportunities and looked legitimate. Um, I don't believe in Saban shooting yet. I'll, I'll wait for him to prove me wrong in the regular season. I know he shot the, from the three-point line, like actually pretty well in summer league, but fool me once, shame on you. Like you're not going to do it again. Like I think he came out in his last year and he made like his first two or three, three-pointers. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know Saban could shoot. And, then he like didn't make a three pointer the rest of the year. He shot he shot thirty five percent last year. Come on, man. Oh, ye of little faith. D- that's the Diallo. Come on, didn't you just give us the the Diallo? <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, fool me once. Let's what? let's see it again. I'd be happy to be wrong about that. But overall, like, wasn't as many summer league takeaways as I was hoping for. Seku left summer league early. I wanted to see him as much as possible. But early returns from him in summer league were pretty positive. Although this, the shooting, there was nothing there for him, which needs to improve. Killian shooting, when he sets his feet, it it looks legitimate. And then when he's just off balance, throwing it up there, it looks incredibly awful. Kate is everything you could have asked for and more. Sadiq looks solid. I'm not going to go into like super in detail on these guys because one, it was summer league, and two, we have found a way to continue to ramble on in this podcast. Um, So that's where I'm kind of going to leave it. I'll finish with, I'm just incredibly, incredibly heartbroken. I'm also incredibly thankful that all summer league bets were canceled because I don't think you could legally bet on them. So I'm not saying you could do better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, man. I mean, we covered a lot of this last week. I feel the same. I did about pretty much everyone that we talked about on last week's podcast, as I do now, like Luca Garza. Yeah. He can play offense, still can't play defense. Okay. Saban Lee, when you actually like give him the ball and he's the primary ball handler, he's really effective and he can attack the paint. Um, Sadiq Bay is Sadiq Bay. And yeah, I mean, for me, the only really surprise coming out of summer league after last week's podcast um, was Jamorco Pickett. I really liked what I saw from him. I mean, it's it's not every day that you can get a player that's like 6'9", 6'10", with that kind of length and athleticism that also can shoot like 38% from three. So I'm excited to have him on the G League roster. I would love it if he could develop his game inside of the arc a little bit more. Um, but yeah, who knows? They might have something there. Other than that, I think... I think we're, we're, we're pretty much set there. Like, let's just get this regular season started, man. Let's do it. It's going to be here much sooner than uh, we think. I mean, it's going to be August 20th when this podcast comes out. That's pretty mind blowing considering I remember recording podcasts in February being like, Oh my God, can we just get the summer league? Oh my God. Or, or, Or the draft and then draft summer league. And now we're, gearing up for the regular season it's going to be here before we know it a month um, and a wow, half away we, from the preseason yeah that's that's kind of crazy that's kind of crazy um and i did see that the schedules 
for, for uh, the preseason were released. Of course, I have not looked at them yet, but maybe we could do that next week. Um, we have covered a lot in this podcast. So, guys, any other thoughts? Um, like I said, we have covered quite a bit. Take us home, um, Mike. I missed you. Oh, I missed all of you guys, too. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very long two weeks with lots happening, and um, glad to be back. Just really, really uh, excited to get this regular season going. Um, okay, so with no other comments, guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. Um, and once again, thanks to Bet Online uh, for being the sponsor of this podcast. For my co-hosts, Jasper Apollonia and Aaron Johnson, I am Mike A. Milano. Thank you so much for joining us in this edition of the Palace Pistons Podcast, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.